بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم رحمۃ نسلی اللہ رسول الکریم اما بات الحمد للہ ٹوڈے از دا ایٹ آف اکٹوبر ان دی ایئر ٹو تھاؤزینڈ اینڈ ٹوئنٹی تھری الحمد للہ وی موو آن ٹو دا نائنتھ سیشن دا المؤمنون And I've reached verse 31. So inshallah today going through up to and including verse 38. So verse 31. Audhu billahi minash shaitan rajim. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Then we raised after them another generation. So after mentioning a small narrative with regards to Nuh alayhi salatu wa salam. Allah ta'ala is now referring to another generation. And the verses which follow... Or either referring to Hud or Salih. But I believe most scholars believe that it refers to Salih. The reason being that verse 41 talks about the blast which overtook them. So verse 32. And we sent to them a messenger from amongst themselves. Saying, worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You have no other God but Him. Will you not fear? So now this is in reference, like I mentioned, to Salih wasalam. So a few things with regards to Salih wasalam. So first of all, where was he sent? So he was sent wasalam, to Thamud. So where is Thamud? Thamud is the northwest of Arabia. So if you go north the west, you will come to a place called Madain Salih. And this is where he was sent. So he's an Arabian prophet. And the place is now called Al-Ula. This is the reference. The other thing about Salih Salatu few details it mentions with regards to his physical being so this is recorded in a hakim in his mustadrak number 4067 he was said to be white skinned or light skinned of reddish complexion with lank hair he was said to resemble isa alayhi salatu wasalam He walked barefoot and he did not use perfume. On his right hand was a mogul. So here in this report, it mentions that he was similar in his complexion, his blessed complexion to Isa alayhi salatu wasalam. And he, and he was known to be reddish white. And he had luxuriant hair. And some of the unusual traits, he would walk barefoot and he never used perfume. which is interesting. So, why would he not use perfume? Because the Prophet is pure. Alayhi salatu wasalam. On his right hand was a mole. So, even that is mentioned in the report. The people he was sent to, Aif, Thamud, the report mentions in a Hakim in his Mustadrak, number 4069, they were said to have lived so long that each had to rebuild his mansion many times over the years. 
So they had such long ages that they would basically revamp their mansion. They eventually began to carve their dwellings into the rocky hills. They eventually began to carve their dwellings into the rocky hills. So because of the age that they had, they started making their, dwellings, uh, their dwellings in the mountains, in the actual mountains. So that's the wisdom behind this. The report says, they were prosperous and their life was relatively easy. For although they lived in the desert, there was enough water in the wells to irrigate palm groves, grow other crops and fulfill all their needs. So, a person queries, he goes, they lived in the desert, so how could they live a luxurious life? And the reason is they had a tremendous irrigation. There was plenty of water in the wells. In the wells. And the Quran mentions in Surah 26, verse 141, Secure in this here, amongst gardens and fountains, sown fields and palms with soft fruits. So look how strange, though they were in the desert, what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? They were secure. They were amongst gardens and fountains, sown fields and palms with soft fruit. So Allah had blessed them in terms of how they lived their lives. So this is another thing which is mentioned here. Also it mentions, in terms of his lineage, in Al-Bidaya 1-123 and Tariq Tabari 1-158, the historians, they've pieced together his lineage and they've said, Salih, والسلام, the son of Ubaid, the son of Asaf, the son of Masih, the son of Ubaid, the son of Khadr, the son of Thamud, the son of Jathir, Abr, the son of Iram, the son of Sam or Shem, the son of Nuh. So if you look at his lineage, there's about nine or ten forefathers between him and Nuh. And in terms of their dwellings, even in today's day and age, it's mind-blowing. And some of their ruins are still present. So here's, here's an image of one of their dwellings. Not an image, but an actual ruin of their dwellings. <laughs> so think about how prosperous they were. <laughs> Allah has left some of their dwellings intact. So even in today's day, that would take a fee I to, to make a, a dwelling within a mountain. So Allah has left it as a trait to show that those who disobey are eventually punished. Also about Thamud. The Thamud were the successes of Qawmi Ad. So they came after Hud They were cousins to Ad, apparently a younger branch of the same race. Their seat is in the northern western corner of Arabia, between Medina and Sham. When Rasulullah in the ninth year of the Hijrah led his expedition to Tabuk against the Romans, on a reported Roman invasion, he وسلم, and his men came across the archaeological remains of Thamud. So this is interesting. When Rasulullah was heading towards uh, the book, he passed by Thamud. And very interesting things. 
he first covered his face sallallahu alaihi wasallam and he said do not remain in the place where the punishment of allah taala has descended lest the punishment descend upon you and he goes if you must pass pass through quickly and weep if you can and he even told the companions not to go into the caves because obviously it was so hot they were taking shelter so shade was paramount because don't go into the caves and he also said don't drink i from the remaining wells there so note we are we learn what to do we are, we are basically instructed not to go to those places and what's interesting shaitan beautifies those places recently you know there was something happening in the arabian peninsula and where was it and on the region what the heck are they doing right you know think about that they're asking allah taala to punish them right so again note all of these things are you know signs of the shaitan's or the shaitan's handiwork so here in verse 32 allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that he told his people worship allah you have no other god but him will you not have taqwa verse 33 and the chiefs of his people who disbelieved and denied the meeting in the hereafter and on whom we have bestowed the good things of this life he they said he is no more than a man like yourselves he eats of that which you eat and drinks of what you drink so now who are these shaitans and notice is the chiefs so there's some interesting things about these people in surah 27 verse 47 in surah an-naml allah taala mentions a very interesting thing about some of them so these chief 27 verse 47 they said qalu tayyarna biqa wa bimamak we fear an evil omen from you and those who are with you he alayhi salatu wasalam said your evil omen is with allah yes you are a people who are being tested so now what of the accused salih alayhi salatu wasalam of because you're a, you're ill auspicious because you just brought brought you bring bad luck to us you're ill omen and the people who follow you so he responded you're the ones who allah taala has made an ill omen so now what do we know about this in surah yasin surah 36 verse 18 allah subhanahu wa taala he mentions there about the ill omen the hadith is in imam ahmad musnad 2-220 tabarani and is graded sahih in sahih ul jami number 6264 our beloved messenger said sallallahu alaihi wasallam whoever lets tiara superstitious belief stop him from doing something he has committed shirk whoever lets tiara superstitious beliefs stop him from doing something he has committed shirk so this is a sahih hadith so what does this mean it means when you say two magpies you get bad luck walking under the ladder you're asking for it breaking the ladder gives you seven years bad luck bakwas to bakwas right all that is tiara and the prophet said if it stops you from doing something you've committed shirk it touch you would you know that rubbish right so, so all of this is tiara and what's interesting in surah yasin what did the people say to their messengers they said for us we augur an evil omen from you and what did the messengers respond <coughs> your evil omens are with yourselves 
to me, you're the ill. So look how strange, they were completely messed up. They were telling the Prophet, you're the one who's given this bad look. So how ancient is this false belief? Time of Salih, So now, who were these shaitans? Who were these chiefs? So in Surah, 20, Surah 27 verse 48, Surah 27 verse 48, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, There were in the city nine men of a family who made mischief in the land and they would not reform. That's all you need to know. Allah ta'ala says there was nine of these shaitans. And they were from a family. They did fasad and they wouldn't reform. So Allah ta'ala is mentioning a number here. Now, what was their corruption? What were they into? What was their you know, business? In Ma'adaful Quran, volume 4, page 670 of the English translation, Zayd ibn Aslam, he commented upon this verse, Surah 27, verse 48. These nine people in the city, they used to chip off gold and silver from the dinar and dirham coins and thus run a profitable business of their own through this source. <laughs> so their currency was gold and silver. So... It's an innate value. So they used to chip it, get little chips off it, and then make a living from this unlawful uh, resource. Also, it mentions, this is in Qurtubi and Ma'adiful Quran. During the Khalifat of Umar bin Abdul Aziz, someone was arrested whilst he was cutting a dirham. He was awarded a punishment of lashes and he was paraded around with his head shaved. So you make an example out of them, those who, you know, who basically rip people off, right? The hair is shaved, you, you know, you should, so it's a public deterrent. This is from the Umar bin Abdul Aziz. Also in Behaqi in Shu'ab al-Iman, Malik ibn Dinar rahmatullah he said about this verse, verse 48. Nowadays, there are people in every clan and district who cause corruption in the earth and do not cause reform. Because this is common now. So this was in the time of the Tabi'in. He goes, that was rare. Now he goes, it's, and I told myself, that was Tabi'in's time. And now if you think about it, it's, you know, you, you even know people personally. Yeah, he's into it. He's, I think I'm doubling as well. Also in Abdul Razak, it is Musannaf ibn Katir's tafsir. Ata ibn Abi Rabah said about this verse, they used to break silver coins. So note, they were wealthy, but their wealth was through illegitimate means. And what's interesting, there seemed to be one family who was causing the mischief. So going back to the verse, what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? In verse 33, the chiefs of his people disbelieved and denied the meeting. Now why is that interesting? People who are set in inverted commas in the world, they don't like change. They're thinking, look, we're going to lose everything here if we listen to Salih. So what's interesting, the same happened to the Prophet the chiefs knew he was the prophet, but they refused. Why? Because they were thinking, their worldly mind, we're going to lose our honor. We're going to lose our prestige. So Allah Ta'ala is revealing this to who? Rasulullah. They say, look, this is an old game. Because people did this to your brothers in the past. Then what does Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala say? Now think about it. They haven't got anything on their prophet. Read the entire Quran. Have you ever come across a verse where it says, we know that you've committed this and you've done this and you were lying and you... What did they say? They said, he is no more than a man like yourselves. He eats and he drinks. Now think about that. Is that all you got on him? 
And going back to verse 24, what does Nuh salatu wasalam, what did the people say to him? They said the same thing. He is no more than a man like yourselves. So this is again something that Allah Ta'ala is reiterating. These shaitans, they would blaspheme their prophets, saying they're only men. Why are you following them? Now why do you say blaspheme? Because I keep mentioning again and again, we don't look at the human form of the prophets. We look at their essence. And if you focus upon their human forms, you end up with these statements. He's no more than a man. And Muslims say this now. Who's your, who's your teacher? The unbelievers of the prophets. Why is Allah quoting that? So what do we say? We say they are men, but they've received revelation and they are unlike us in their essence. Then a person asks you to explain. You say, well, pick something. Their blood is pure. Is your blood pure? Their hair has got shafa. Has your hair got shafa? Their saliva has got shafa. Has your saliva got shafa? Their urine gives cure. What does your urine do? Their, their remains are swallowed by the by the earth. Where, where does your go? Now that, you know, right? So how are you compared to the prophets? So note again, this is something what Allah Ta'ala's warning is about. He's not just, you know, repeating something. This is old. And unfortunately, Muslims, they're focusing upon the humanity of the Prophets. Verse 34. If you obey a man like yourselves, behold, it is certain you will be lost. Verse 35. Does he promise that when you die and become dust and bones, you shall be brought forth again? Verse 36. Far, very far, is that which you are promised. So, what's their argument? Because he's only a man, why are you following him? Secondly, this, this is one of their arguments. He's promising you that when you're dust, turaban or izaman and bones, you're going to be brought back to life. Because do you believe that? Now, what's interesting? History is replaying itself. I'll mention it briefly. In Surah 36, verse 67, Surah Yasin. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions another shaitan. Asi ibn Iwal. So this narration is in Hakim in his Mustadrak 2-429 Sahih to the criteria of Bukhari and Muslim. Dur al-Mantur 5-507 ibn Abi Hatim ibn Jarir ibn Kathir's tafsir. Abdullah ibn Abbas radiyallahu anhu he said and I'm summarizing. He goes Asi ibn Iwal he took a bone from the bed of a valley. He crumbled it in his hand. He came to Rasulullah and he sarcastically said Sallallahu alayhi wa Will Allah bring this back to life after it has crumbled in my hands? Rasulullah said, yes. Allah the Almighty will cause you to die and he will bring you back to life and you will then enter the fire. Then the last verses of Surah Yasir were revealed. <laughs> what a buffoon. You know, he's waiting for the opportunity. How can I destroy his dawat? And that's what, you know, if you notice, you give him dawat and what do the... Shaitans do, they wait for the appropriate time to destroy your doubt. So what did he think? I'll wait until he starts talking about resurrection. And I've got a bone ready. Imagine, you know how much effort he's made. He comes to the Prophet, he goes, look, that's going to go back to life. And who's he really talking to? He's talking to the unbelievers. He goes, you hey, look, he's just bewitching you. Do you believe this going back to life? So what did the Prophet start say? That's coming back to life. You're coming back to life. And then you're going to go to the hell. And then Allah Ta'ala intervened. Allah Ta'ala reveals to the Yaseen. And what does he say? أَوَلَمْ يَرَ الْإِنسَانُ أَنَّا خَلَقْنَاهُ مِنْ نُطْفَةٍ فَإِذَا هُوَ خَسِيمٌ مُبِينٌ 
Does man not see we have created him from a drop? Yet then he stands as an opponent. He makes comparisons for us. He forgets his creation. He says, who can give life to bones and decompose ones at that? He will give them life who created it the first time. So Allah Ta'ala first says, everybody who says this, how will this come back to life? Remember, they all sperm drops. Why is Allah Ta'ala telling you that? Because He's telling you. Isn't that amazing? A sperm drop, which nobody can deny, we were all sperm drops. He's now challenging me. So that's the first thing Allah Ta'ala says. He says, don't be bewitched by these people. Remember that. Then He says, Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, He goes, they say, He quotes them, who can give life to bones and decompose ones? Allah Ta'ala says, the one who created them first time. <laughs> Where did they come from the first time? You buffoon. So you go like that bone that you crumbled, hypothetically. Where did it come from? Because it's a person. No, no, but where did he come from? Came from his mother. No, no, this ex-man. Well, his mother got pregnant. Yeah. Where did the bones come from? <laughs> then suddenly he realized he's been caught out. God sent the bones from his treasures. And then Allah Ta'ala goes, I'll bring them back. Every day you see women get pregnant, no bones, suddenly full skeleton. Where did that come from? So Allah Ta'ala has hammered him. So here Allah Ta'ala has revealed this to Rasulullah, talking about Salih's comb. They said the same, what did they say? Does he promise that when you die and become dust and bones, you should be brought full? How interesting. It's like, have you got a, a tape recording from 2000 years earlier? And you're saying the same thing. Allah Ta'ala then calls them and what did they say? This is one of the interesting passages. You notice that when you read in this passage, you see this word twice. Far, very far is that which you are promised. So they're, they're pushing it to the limit. They're going, look, think. You know, you, can you believe it? Like you say again, can you believe it? Can you believe it? Because this is not going to happen. So Allah Ta'ala quotes the then look what they said, verse 37. There is nothing but the life of this world. We die and we live. We shall never be raised up again. Now they're sounding like the kuffar of today's day and age. Right? What do the kuffar say in today's day? Oh, you, just have, you only live once. Have a party. Right? You only live once. YOLO. Right? Not ROLO. The chocolate. Or YOLO. You only live once. So Allah Ta'ala says, there is nothing but our life in this world quoting them. We die and we live. We shall never be raised up again. Now think about that. Look what they said. They didn't say we live and we die. They said we die and we live. You've got to really focus upon the verses. Why did they say, وَنَحْيَا وَمَا نَحْنُ بِمَبْعُوثِينَ نَمُوتُ وَنَحْيَا وَمَا نَحْنُ Why did they say we shall die and we shall live? Because Imam Suyuti Rahmatullah in his Tasir Jalalain, he says, Meaning, we live through the life of our children whom we live behind. We live through the life of our children whom we leave behind. So this is what they meant. Because look, we die but we live on through our children. Now what's interesting? Who says that now? You know, it's unbelievable. You're quoting Kufar? I'll die. 
But I'm going to live on through my children. Don't say that, brother. Hey, what's wrong with that? Because that's what Qomi Thamud said to Salih. And they were mocking him. Because that's life after death. That's, one, that's the only thing we believe. Is that the only thing you believe? Astaghfirullah. So, what do we believe? In Surah 45, verse 24. In Surah 45, verse 24, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions. And this Surah is fascinating. Surah Jathiyah is also called Ad-Dahr, time. So, Allah Ta'ala is quoting the Kuffar and he says, They say, what is there but our life in this world? We die and we live. And nothing but time can destroy us. Now is reversed. Right? Now we die and we live and nothing but time can destroy us. So now what are they saying? Time is killing us. It's just time. A person, you know, he's, he's a toddler. Then he becomes a, uh, an infant. Then he becomes a teenager. So time is killing him. So what do we say about this? In Behaki 3-365, Hakim it is Mustadrak 2-453, Sahih. Our beloved messenger, he said, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, I alternate night and day, and when I will, I will bring them to an end. Subhanallah. I alternate night and day, and when I will, I will bring them to an end. So why does Allah mention that? Because when we say time, if we do say it, a person dies of old age, what we mean by that is Allah is the one. Because time is basically a creation. Allah Himself says, I'm the one who makes night and day. And I will stop it. And when does it stop? Qiyamat. There's no night. Night finishes. <laughs> if you think about it, look how strange that is. How does night finish? Right? And he goes, well, what do you think is just happening? You kafir, right? You go, oh no, I didn't think. Night and day is Allah's will. Because night will finish. Now there's an important point here. In Sayyid Bukhari, number 4826, Sayyid Muslim, Number 2246, Nasai Abu Dawood. Our beloved messenger, he said, that Allah the Almighty and Glorious says, The son of Adam والسلام, derogates me when he curses time. Whilst I am time, in my hand are all matters. I cause the alternation of the days and nights. So this is a very important hadith. Allah the Almighty and Glorious says, the son of Adam derogates me. He insults me. He belittles me when he curses time. I am time, Allah says. I am Ad-Dahr. I cause the night and the day. So now, this is important. Does that mean that that's one of his names? Allah says, I am Dahr. I am Ad-Dahr. So here, Hafiz Ibn Kathir, Rahmatullah he said, we should mention that Ibn Hazm and the Zahiriyah like him made a monstrous error when they used this hadith to include Ad-Dahr amongst Allah's most beautiful names. He goes, this is not true. Allah, you notice that's not one of his names, Ad-Dahr. So a person goes, but he said, I am Dahr. So what does it mean? So here, the hadith explains. In Sayyid Muslim, the Prophet said, Do not curse Al-Dahr, for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is Al-Dahr. Imam Shafi'i and other Imams of Tafsir, they explain this. During the time of Jahiliyyah, when an affliction, a calamity, or disaster struck, the Arabs used to say, 
woe to dahar, woe to time. So they used to blame such incidents on time, cursing time in the process. Surely it is Allah who causes these and all things to happen. This is why when they cursed time, it was as if they were cursing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself. Since truthfully, he caused all things to happen. Therefore, abusing a dahr was prohibited due to the consideration for it. Was Allah whom they meant by abusing a dahr? Which as we said, they accused, they accused of causing distressful incidents. So this is the meaning. So Allah Ta'ala is saying the correct understanding according to the Imams. When he says, I am time, what he means by that subhanahu wa ta'ala is, they're cursing me. So when they say, time is to hell with time, because they're cursing me. So really, that's what it means. Allah Ta'ala did not intend by that, that I am time. Because strange that sounds, even though he said that, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because the context is, they're cursing time. So who are they really cursing? He said, Allah So then he goes, well, he goes, I am time. Because that's what he's saying. is I Because they're cursing me. That's the meaning of this. So Ibn Hazm made a mistake. The Zahirite, Rahmatullah. He goes, one of his names is Ad-Dahr. That's not true. And what have they recently discovered? Proving it, putting it to bed. Time is a creation. So how the hell is that a name of Allah? Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Time, space and matter was came into existence at the same time. When ask the you know Bacharian, they'll tell you about it. So how is time God? Time is a creation. Nothing created is God. Unless you're a Christian. So note here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, quoting Thamud, there is nothing but our life in this world. We die and we live. We shall never be raised up again. Verse 38, he is only a man who invents a lie against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But we are not the ones to believe in him. So now they accused him of lying. So a prophet never lies. So when they accuse a prophet of lying, that shows that these are truly demented people. You know, even in the time of the Prophet what did they say? Because he's not a liar. Because he's a lameen. But then when they got together, they goes, we've got to call him something. He goes, you know, we're attacking him because we got nothing on him. He's a soothsayer. No, he's not. He's a magician. No, he's not. He's this. No, he's not. Because what are we going to call him then? And, they, and then what did Walid ibn Mughida say? He says, look, the closest I think we can say is that he's a, he's a magician because he's bewitching people with his uh, eloquence. Allah Ta'ala then took Walid to task really severely because he was lying. Think about it. He actually said to it, the chiefs, he's not a magician. And he went against his own statement. That is kufr, you know, manifest. So this is again happening here. So Allah Ta'ala is noticing, he's comforting Rasulullah. He's saying, look, don't worry. Thousands of years ago, your brothers were called liars. Thousands of years ago, they gave him grief, the chiefs. Thousands, because it's the same game. They don't learn anything. And what do, the, what do they say? If you don't study history, you are bound to make the same mistakes. And we believe that. Why do we believe it? Because the Quran is telling you. Quran proves that statement. Look at the same things that are happening. History is replaying itself. And another proof of that is Bani Israel. But they don't learn their lesson. How do we know that? Because Allah Ta'ala says that there will be a final battle. <laughs> right? That means that they will never learn their lesson. And now what's happening? They're doing it again. You know, there's no end to there. So they don't learn their lesson at all. Only right at the end. When they got no choice. They finally, you know, white flag comes up in it. Astaghfirullah. So I'll decide the verses. And we'll conclude. وَذِبِ اللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ بِسْمِ اللَّهِ الرَّحْمَنِ الرَّحِيمِ
ഹൈഹാത്തുറജൂൻ ഹിമാലയ <laughs> <laughs>